Welcome to the Conscious Conversations podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Nick Paladino King. And I'm Nitin Gerg. We are transformational coaches and yogis from the San Francisco Bay Area. And this is a podcast for people looking to take their lives to the next level. Through these conversations, we aim to raise the consciousness of our lives, the lives of our listeners, and the wholeness. So get ready to join us on this great adventure of life by taking a moment to settle in, become fully present in this moment, and see where the journey takes you next. Hey everyone, you're going to hear Nick and I go a little bit deeper on our own journeys today. Um, we're spending some time to just unravel our own stories and, and hear a little bit of how we got started, what were some of the pivots in our life that led us to the point today where we've become coaches and helping others on their own journey. And through it all, we kind of sum up some key aspects and some some key attributes that help us unlock the next chapter, which we think would be super valuable for for those listening. Um, and as well as some some interesting tidbits towards the end of where our so where our spiritual practices today and what are some things we're experimenting with, where we're trying to drive uh, that next bit of focus um, that would help us un- unlock our our next chapter. So you'll get to learn a little bit some interesting tidbits throughout the show around that and uh, especially if you stick around long enough towards the end nick will share some very interesting stories hey welcome in to conscious conversations with nick and nithin it's just us today team no guests just your host uh we're gonna dive into the depths of going deeper into a spiritual practice and also some of the pitfalls and and challenges that come up along the way. And Nathan and I were both already talking about how going down a spiritual path can be a hard thing and it's um, something that maybe doesn't get talked about enough. So we're going to open up the conversation today between between the two of us, talk about our spiritual practices, talk, talk about some of maybe our own insecurities. And uh, we even might talk about some tools and some special techniques that we have utilized and developed over the years to help us uh, yeah. maintain a spiritual practice while living in an urban city and, uh, you know, doing our best to be urban mystics. So, uh, Nathan, let, what's, what's started from here, man. Um, I know you and I, we did a lot of work together through yoga training, through some private coaching work, your spiritual advancement and, and growth has, has, I, I would say accelerated over the last two years. Um, and I love to see the insights that you've been bringing to the table and, how deep and how committed you are to your practice. So I'd love to kind of hear where, where your practice was, where it is, and, and also uh, where it's going. Yeah. Uh, I don't know where quite it's going. You know, I know where I would want it to go, but these things are sort of, they're mystical for a reason, right? They're just, you, you experience them as things keep progressing. So where it started was frankly around the time of, yoga teacher training a little bit prior when, you know, I think I had this urgent, you know, um, inwardly of like, I think I want to have a spiritual path, something that kind of grounds me in life. And I remember back in college, even when I used to study philosophy, it was the same sort of inner calling that was pushing me in that direction. And eventually I decided to become a philosophy 
minor, but I felt like that left me at such a surface level, just some of those mm -hmm. questions, but not having really a practice to follow, to go deeper, except just inquiry, like just questions that mental exercise wasn't enough. I felt like there needed to be something more. So I started searching for a spiritual, spiritual path. And um, I tell this story all the time just uh, to friends at times, which is, uh, you know, my, I frankly met my wife through part of a spiritual practice where I mm. started using this practice to actually uh, lay out what I wanted in an ideal partner in my life. And I was essentially reaffirming this affirmation around the, you know, this person I would like in my life daily. And literally six months later is when I met my wife. Um, and so that like essentially lit a massive light bulb within me or just a huge, you could say a catalyst in that direction mm -hmm. to say like, wow, like, is it coincidence or does this stuff work? Mm -hmm. And I, then I remember at that time when I met her around the same time, I was also like really looking for my spiritual path and I was exploring, but I was consciously again, affirming that I want to find a spiritual path that would ground me, that would help me sort of chart a path forward. And funny enough, I believe like within a couple months, she comes uh, to visit me from her school and they were giving away books at her school. Mm -hmm. so she, she knows like, oh, this guy is spiritual. He likes stuff. So I'm just going to pick up this book for him. She picks up the autobiography of a yogi. I had a feeling you would say me. that. She hands it to me and I'm like, huh, interesting. Oh, thanks for picking up this book. It looks interesting. As I start reading it and after I finish it, I'm just blown away. I'm like, this is exactly the level of depth that I was looking for. Then I learned that, okay, you know, during his time, Paramahansa Yogananda had created this whole path for folks that were what, what you would call a householder yogi, mm -hmm. people that lead a regular life, their husbands, wives have kids, have all these other responsibilities. They're not just renunciants, you know, that have given up the regular way of life and become a monk. These are folks that are just ordinary folks, but yet have yet know and want a deeper spiritual path. So he created a path based on lessons and then meditation techniques he would teach um, to help folks like us, you know, morning and evening connect with a deeper spiritual self that could help guide, you know, all the other aspects of life. And I would say over the years, as I've gotten, my practice has improved as much as I have gotten more committed to it. I like that. Your practice has improved as much as you've gotten committed to it. Yeah. I remember like in the beginning, for example, like in the first 15 minutes of uh, my daily spiritual practice, you're supposed to do these like 38 exercises. They're like these mini, what they're called energization exercises. You do these mini exercises for the first 15 minutes. It's really supposed to just like amp up energy in the body. Mm -hmm. Then you go into more of a pranayama, like breathing to really relax and center. And then, you know, you keep going deeper and deeper in meditation, um, chanting specific things. But that first 38 exercises, each exercise, like to memorize 38 exercises and do them in 15 minutes, it took me like a month and a half or two months, at least, I want to say, mm -hmm. to like get it down. And the trick was to add one exercise a day to the routine. So I'd start with day one, I did one. Day two, I did two. Day three, I tried to do three. 
and it didn't always go linear. So there were some fall offs and I was trying to memorize them, but that was like 2017, 16, some, somewhere around that, mm -hmm. right? Almost six years ago. I would say only in the last about a year and a half or two years. So almost four years since when I initially learned those exercises, they became second nature to me. Like now I find myself that my mind could be thinking about anything and I can still go through the 15 minutes and 38 exercises, sometimes not realizing that I just did them. Yeah, totally. That's when I'm being very absent-minded. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I've, I've noticed that before I can get into my practices and maybe if you watch me, if you listen to me, you'd be like, Oh, this guy's doing some really cool stuff. But I'm like, I'm thinking about lunch, you know, <laughs> I'm like, I'm in the past, I'm in the future, but I'm like kind of doing the act of the techniques, right? Which is, yes. uh, it, that's a good catch to realize too, that, you know, you're, you're, you're playing the role of being mindful rather than actually being, <laughs> being mindful. But yeah, I've, I've experienced that too. That's funny. So more and more like these days, you know, I think it's like, I've got the practice, but I'm trying to actually keep my attention. And funny enough, I actually been called out by my wife, my, you know, some of my friends of like, dude, you can be like a little inattentive at times, mm. you know, for, for being a person that talks about yoga and spiritualness, like sometimes you're out there and I'm like, yeah, that maybe, I don't know if that's a side effect, but like, sometimes I can just be in my own zone. I realize, you know, and people might be saying something to me. I don't even hear them. But That's if I pay attention to them consciously, then I hear them. Yeah. Well, I think that, that's a great place to look at too, right there. I mean, that is a, that is such a misnomer, right? That is such a, like, um, that's like Instagram bullshit that, you know, okay, because Nathan's a yogi, he never breaks consciousness. He's always present. He doesn't get mad. It's like, I've seen you do all of those things. You've you've seen me do all of those things. I love the narrative that is out there that if you were a yogi or a meditator or, you know, on the spiritual path that um, you're somehow removing your emotional connection to the earth and you're always present and perfect. It's like, no, that's, that is not it at all. That is a picture of what we think, you know, being mindful is and mindfulness is the practice of being aware and the practice of, okay, I'm connected with you right now. But at some point as I'm talking, my mind is going to wander off and I'm going to be everywhere else but here. And how quickly can I catch that? One, mm -hmm. recognize that I'm not present. And then from there, well, now I, now I need to work my non-attachment practice. How quickly can I recognize I'm not present? Release that thought, emotion, feeling, and then return back to center line. I like to think of this as, you know, the difference between the, the student and the teacher is that maybe the student doesn't even know when they're aware or not aware, or maybe it takes them an hour or a day to release the thought and come back to center. You know, maybe you or I, it's, it's a minute, it's five minutes, it's 10 minutes. And then I can look at, you know, my, my master Dennis and, and our, our mutual teacher, Gene, maybe they're back and they're, they're gone and they're back before we notice, but they're still leaving two people, you know, even Parahamsa, like they're, there's, they just get back before we notice that they were gone. That's the difference. That's the practice. Um, and I love breaking those, those pictures of what it is to be a yogi or what it is to be a meditator. Cause they're yeah. just pictures. You and know, it's a journey. I mean, you know, like, uh, yes. you know, maybe one day, yes. When you get to yoga, i.e. union with the divine, 
you know, you've become the image of perfection. But until then, it's a journey, you know, we're, we're just learning and trying and improving every day, you know, at, as best as we can, just like everybody mm-hmm. else. It, it's really no different than exercising at the gym. You know, what you were talking about is, okay, the first time someone goes into the gym and they work out, it's like, I don't know what to do. I don't know these exercises. I don't know. And then it hurts. You're sore. You're uncomfortable. You forget. And then after a week, two weeks, a month, a year, these things become what we call our habits. Mm-hmm. And they don't take as much energy. They don't take as much internal battle to sit down on the meditation cushion or to get to the gym. It's like, oh, these are the things that I do. So then now your energy doesn't have to go into the act of it. It can actually go into like to the practice. Yeah. And okay, now, now that I know wax on, wax off, I know the 38 techniques. Well, now can I actually be present with them? And can I start to explore each one? And then, then okay, now that's another level of, of mastering self-understanding. And then you will hit a point when it's like, okay, maybe I don't need these anymore. Now I move on. It's no different than working out. It's no different than learning in school. Um, they're really the same rules apply physically, mentally, emotionally. Yeah. And spiritually. I would say that's exactly where my practice is right now, which is like, mm-hmm. I can do it all, but I'm trying to raise the level of awareness in each act, <clears throat> you know, so that as I'm going through the exercises, as I'm going through the breathing, how present can I stay? You know, when I am doing that exercise, can I consciously direct energy to a particular body part, which I'm exercising mm-hmm. and, and really feel that moment and not not be thinking about everything else and one of the things i've been doing is just like even frankly at times when your mind is a little too active based on whatever happened in your day just like literally telling the mind like okay now is the time to be here mm-hmm. all that past stuff you keep throwing at me all that future stuff you keep throwing at me like let's park it for now right yeah let's be here this is the time with the divine let's connect uh, let's go deep. Let's explore this space. Let's explore this now. Um, Billy Mandarino talks about it. And, you know, many folks do as the, the now is the divine time. Mm, I like that. The past and the present is kind of like more like horizontal time. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, sometimes I'll say to myself within meditation, it's like, all right, let's be in divine time. Let's be in the now. Yeah. I'm actually curious to hear from you, Nick, like, um, how's your practice been going? How did it develop? Like maybe a little bit of your journey. I don't even think actually I know that journey. Yeah, it's actually, it's interesting because I was, I was doing a coaching session with, with someone last week. We did like a half, a half day coaching session and they were asking me about my journey and I told them my story and they were like, wow, that's like, that's like the real deal, man. And I'm kind of going, I don't know. It's so far in the past. It's not who I feel like I am. It's not really, I feel like it's important, but you're, it is important to share. And my, my spiritual journey started about 15 years ago. Um, it wasn't something that I was consciously aware that I was looking for. Uh, I'd started my, my career in, in corporate sales and it was everything I wanted. I wanted to be powerful. I wanted to be rich. I wanted to be successful. Um, I wanted to be a CEO. I was on the fast track to doing that. And at some point I realized I had just become a big asshole. I was, you know, kind of the epitome of, of masculine, um, toxic leadership. Like if something needed to get done, I was the person they would call to yell at people and scream and intimidate. And I don't think that's who I truly was on the inside, but that's what I was modeled by the, the company I worked for. Um, and it was, it was awarded, you know, and, and I was promoted for those things. And in my, my mid twenties, um, 
I had started to lose control over myself. I didn't have ways to self-regulate. I didn't have ways to self self-soothe for sure. I mean, this is 2007, 2008, you know, that we weren't really talking about mental health then. Um, and one of my friends from my college basketball team actually said, Hey, like, you know, why don't we go to yoga together? You seem stressed. I've been doing this thing. I think it could be cool. And I remember I went to a yoga class with him at, at a 24 hour fitness. He's six foot nine. I'm six foot seven. We're these massive guys. We have no idea what we're doing. I can't even touch my knees in this yoga class. I'm like wow. shaking. I'm, and I'm having this like come to Jesus moment of like, I was a college athlete and I can't touch my knees. And I'm gonna tell you right now, Nathan, I hated yoga like hated it. It was like torture for me. And the interesting thing now to have space, it's like, okay, how did 25 year old Nick, like, know that he needed to keep going back to something that he hated. And, mm -hmm. and when I look back, it was the one thing in my life that was giving me space. It was giving me room throughout my day, uh, where I didn't have to be the leader the boss, you know, the jerk, I could kind of drop that mask. And it was in that one hour a day, you know, a couple times a week that I started to turn inward and, and listen and, and start to have thoughts, you know, for the first time of, you know, who am I? Like, what am I doing? And why am I here on this, this planet? And they weren't really loud at that point. They were kind of just seeds, Yeah. you know, subtle. and after, you know, after about a year, a year and a half of practicing yoga, those voices um, started to get louder. I noticed I started to shift. I started to become a much nicer person at work. And I noticed people started to interact with me differently. And I was building more respect and actually getting promoted more, even though I was starting to be softer, right? And um, those are kind of the the initial seeds of my spiritual practice. And I think I've shared this with you. I was I was walking home from a company event one night, and I was wearing a suit with a with a with a colleague, and we were mugged by three three men. Uh, they jumped out of the car, you know, took our wallets, took our money. Um, took our watches and, and I know if they would have had a gun or a knife, they would, they would have killed us in that moment. Luckily we were able to, to fight them off and, and get away safely. But I woke up the next day and so did my friend and we had worked, we were both working together and we both just kind of said like, that could have been it. Like, and I you remember have asking, to, you have to have yeah. to liberate yourself, like fight them off to be able to leave. Yeah. Oh yeah. I had to, I got some shots in. I, I kicked a couple guys in the head and I got some shots in and, and, and the, the, the fear and, and the come to Jesus moment that I had of like, I could have died. And I remember asking myself, and sometimes I think it's crazy to like, look back at your old self and be like, how did 25 year old Nick have the awareness? And I asked myself, I said, if I would have died, would my life have been worth it? And it was a resounding no. And I remember, and I can actually feel that on my, my skin right now. And, and then, you know, a month goes by, six weeks goes by. And I remember sitting at my desk. And I'm typing an email and my heart just said, no, you're done. And I couldn't type. Uh, and in that moment, I knew that, you know, it was time for me to, to quit my job, to change my life. And I decided on the spot to, to quit my corporate career. And I ended up from there moving um, to Thailand. I lived in Asia and Mexico for about three years, really finding myself. Um, and then I came back in my, my late 20s lost. <laughs> confused, lost, broke, uh, homeless. I didn't, I was living on my parents' couches, on um, friends' couches. I remember I didn't have enough money to, to buy myself a sandwich at one point. And it was kind of like this rock bottom moment of, man, my, my spiritual practice really fucked up my physical life. Uh, so I had kind of gone from 
being obsessed with the physical reality of success and money and fortune. And then I, and then I got obsessed with the spiritual path of kind of being a renunciate and, you know, avoiding wealth and materialism. And neither of those worked for me is what I found out. Um, and I think it was that polarity. I'm an extremist. I know that it was the polarity of going from, you know, all the way positive, all the way negative to realizing that for me, my spiritual path is one of center line, you know, which is really one of the yogi. It's a middle path. Um, you know, and then about, so this is, you know, 10 years ago, I decided, okay, I think I want to start teaching people the lessons that I've learned that have helped me start to understand myself better. And that's how I decided to get into coaching and teaching wellness and being a yoga teacher. And I will tell you right now, going through a yoga teacher training in my late twenties, that fucked up my physical life even more. I mean, it was like, I had six months or a year of just pulling out weeds of my life, friendships, habits, family stuff. And just, I remember being so broken and so sad and alone. And there was a time when the only thing I had in my life was a yoga practice. I had no, fr I had no friends. I had no money. I had no job, but I had a yoga practice. Mm -hmm. And I remember and this is maybe 2010, 2011, my yoga practice was my only friend and it carried me, uh, for a couple of years until I started to have different awarenesses and, and awakenings that, you know, I am. I am perfect. I am okay. I don't need to judge myself. And I can start to, to acknowledge myself and, and, and live a life that is physically rewarding and spiritually rewarding. So that started to shift in, you know, 2012, 13. And, and since then it's, it's been my calling to see how deep I can take myself in my spiritual practice. Um, and by being around fantastic teachers, Jean Mize was the first teacher I found that transformed my life. And now my, my master guru, Dennis Adams, uh, being around those two people showed me it was okay to be me. Um, mm -hmm. It was okay to live a life that was that's abundant and prosperous and successful, and also have a very deep spiritual, uh, spiritually fulfilling and meaningful life. And it's and now I know my calling is is to share that and to reflect perfection in myself, in you, and everyone, and to to be a model that we can have. A meaningful life and a fulfilling life and those can all live together and that's that's really where my practice is today is how yeah. can i show up in every moment and reflect the perfection that i believe us all to be i don't think any of us are broken i don't think any of us need to be fixed i think we're all perfect and we forgot and you know my practice now is to reflect that and to be that and and i think where my practice now actually nothing more is anything is am i willing to share that am i willing to actually live these teachings and practices that I know to be true for me. And then am I willing to be, to bring them out into the world more? And that's, yeah, that's a scary practice too. Am I willing to be judged? So that's, you know, that's kind of where my practice started, where it's going. Shit. I hope enlightenment that's, you know, that's, that's my <laughs> <Yeah>. goal. Uh, <laughs> but we, maybe we, we're we enlightened hope. right now. We just don't know it because it's a picture in our mind of what we think it's supposed to look like. Um, but that's where it's going. It's also, it's, it's in the present moment, man. It's in doing things like this. It's in sharing love. It's in sharing our, our message and stories, but yeah, yeah. Yeah. But thanks for that question. I, it's, it was nice to go down memory, memory lane right there and, and reminisce on some of the things that have uh, challenged me and brought me to where I am now. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we often ask this of our uh, guests, but 
you know, asking it of each other is is an interesting take as well. And and I'm sure it will evolve over over the years. You know, a decade from now, when I ask you this again, or two decades from now, it will be different. Because mm-hmm. um, there yeah. will be different moments that will stand out and different life pivots that will become sort of the cornerstones of our story. And um, thank you for sharing that, by the way. That was so powerful. And I think, you know, the, the piece, especially that you highlighted around like how you went, how you were on one extreme, mm-hmm. you had come all the way down to the other extreme. I Even I wasn't aware of that, actually. Mm. Um, and seeing that you had actually tested both sides for yourself as a way yeah. of living and then arrived where you are today, which is more of that middle path, more of that, like, yeah, I can be a successful yogi. I don't have to be a broke yogi and I don't have to be yeah. an asshole. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's, it's, and that is the yoga, yoga practice of polarity, by the way, too. Like we do that in yoga where we do a, a left side body practice and a right side body practice, you know, a masculine practice, a feminine practice. And as we're doing that, well, we have to find out for ourselves what is balance. Now, for me, I had to go to the extremes. Yeah. I also had to have something so extreme as being mugged and almost killed to wake me up to get me off of my path. Now, I don't know. Other people don't have to do that, but yeah. that was my setup, right? One other thing, too, that I'd like to add is if I were to meet the guys that, that mugged us 10 years ago, I would thank them. I would thank them. I would thank them for saving my life. I would thank them yeah. for changing my life. And I truly mean that. And that's taken a long time to get to. And that is the, that's my bigger practice, spiritual practice of, of seeing the perfection in all things. Um, yeah, but that's, and this is as you, you know, as you and I are talking and as anyone's listening, Nathan and I are sharing our experiences, which are unique to us and that they're just models but don't think that because I had to go extreme that you do or because Nithin had to find a book that that's how you have to. It's each of us has infinite ways to finding our, our sparks to consciousness and stay open to those and try not to use people as pictures of what it has to look like uh, because it can look like anything. So big, uh, you know, kind of a reminder there for anyone listening. Yeah. You know, like, the the key is in asking for what you want, getting clear mm-hmm. about what you want and starting to to ask for it, whether in your meditations as an affirmation or whatever works for you, but then letting the how be determined by, let the universe guide you on the how and what is perfect for you, right? Mm-hmm. You had a very stark experience next because that was what was required to wake you up in that moment and pivot your life in this yep. way. And I know you've told me many times about that moment of, getting mugged and how that completely shifted, you know, the perspectives in life and that moment of when you were sitting at work and you said, okay, like I physically cannot get myself to do this anymore. And I know I've got a shift and it took that little level of energy yeah. to create the shift, which is important. Cause a lot of, you know, when we're, when we're just getting by in our day to day, maybe it's not so satisfying, but the pain is quite not there. Yeah. It's not mm-hmm. going to get us to change. Right. Cause it's still comfortable. But when it becomes painful as humans, when something becomes painful enough, that's typically when we decide to change. Uh, That's a great piece to add in because so this is where we judge things that I I don't think we should. So pain, for example, gets a a pretty bad rap on this planet. Pain is the signal that we need to pay attention. If we didn't have pain, we wouldn't make changes. And again, that could be physical, mental, emotional, or spiritual. And you're right, Nathan, that 
sometimes we need to get in so much pain that it doesn't matter what is beyond that as a next option. It's like, I don't care what is behind door two. All I know is that's better than where I am right now. And sometimes the payoff needs to be greater of the unknown than of what we know. It's like, you know, the devil we know is better than the devil we don't know. And pain is a fantastic teacher of capacity. And I think also too, as we wake up more on the spiritual path, can we get more sensitive uh, so that we don't need to be in pain? We don't need to fuck our lives up. We don't need to go through a divorce or get fired or go broke. Like, yeah, because we can get more sensitive and start to pay attention quickly to, oh, that didn't feel right. That situation right there at work. I said yes when I meant no. Mm-hmm. Okay. Can, and as Gene would say, can I get honest faster? And can I start to stand up for myself in those micro moments of when something doesn't feel right in this moment, say it, speak it, call it out yeah. instead of 10 things that happen. And then you go home and your wife, you know, asks you to clean the coffee table and you lose your shit. It's like, no, we don't need to do those things. No, obviously sometimes we do, but can we get more sensitive and start to pay attention so and that we don't need to be extreme? And sometimes, frankly, you know, if it's not that moment, but can we do it in the moment after? Yeah, totally. The day after, because yeah, sometimes it takes time to recognize that like, oh yeah, yeah that didn't feel right. Or like I could have done X, Y, Z better and maybe I wouldn't have the same outcome. As long as we are becoming aware, mm-hmm. becoming more sensitive to those situations and still making, choosing to make the change going forward, even if we may still fall multiple times trying to make those changes because they're not easy. You know, it depends on what you're trying to do and how your own personality is interacting with a specific change. Uh, but yeah, you know, those little shifts at a time when we start, that's why actually, frankly, I called my, uh, coaching practice, you know, the name I gave the business is Sankalp, mm. which means determination. Uh, and to me, that was central because I realized once I had enough determination, which could be caused by pain or some recognition or realization, then nothing could stop you. Mm-hmm. And so I often talk with folks about like, if they approach me around, you know, wanting to create a better life for themselves, or they're feeling some, some misstep, it's like, okay, where are you on the determination scale? Are you fully determined? Are you contemplating? Uh, are you still just very comfortable and satisfied with the status quo, but maybe feeling a little bit of pain? Because mm-hmm. that level of determination will raise the awareness and, and start to unfold you know, the, the subsequent pieces and decisions and pivots you may need to make. Until then, it's just like it's gathering up. The momentum is building up until there's enough there to really shift. Yeah. I, I didn't know it meant that. I thought it had meant something else like intention, but I love the, the, the different definition of determination because determination is, is a key ingredient to success, whether that be physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, um, and really finding out where we, where one is on that scale of one to 10, like how important is this? Um, I'd be interested to know, like, where, where for you has determination shown up in your life and where has that really been a key, key piece to your success? You know, I think from the, one of the things that happened with me from the very, um, early days, I would say 
was knowing that I wanted to live a good life. Uh, and part of that, what I mean by that is, you know, growing up, we didn't necessarily have like an abundance of wealth in our home. So I, I would see my parents making choices that would mm-hmm. keep the house running, but it wasn't necessarily in a place of abundance. And I know I subconsciously or, you know, somehow it was like, okay, I'm going to create a better future for myself. I want to be able to travel more and live in a nice place and be able to, to experience life more abundantly. So I'm going to build a foundational skill sets to do that. And I realized, okay, I ended up being like a business finance major because I felt like that taught me a lot of those skill sets. I was kind of gravitated towards that direction. And I felt, hey, if anything, I can, you know, start my own business or just become a successful corporate professional, whatever, right, on that path. But then I was, as I was going through that, I realized kind of not quite the same as you, but I realized actually I didn't enjoy my work when I was a financial analyst. Mm-hmm. That was my first sort of uh, corporate job. And there was then another determination, which was, okay, I may not enjoy this. I did choose to major in it, but I think I want to actually enjoy my work. Like I want to do work that I am fulfilled by and can earn a good mm-hmm. living with through. So that was another determination. So I found myself then experimenting again, going from finance to marketing to product management. And today I'm taking essentially all those skill sets and I'm applying that to sustainability. But that was a journey as well, which was, you know, um, making it really clear that I'm not going to settle for just a, you know, just settle for essentially like, a, a way of earning or living that wasn't necessarily true to myself and the in the way I wanted to live. Mm-hmm. You know, being able to travel, being able to enjoy experiences in life, and being able to have a comfortable living with your family, and then also the the determination of okay, I'm not gonna settle for just any job or any career. I want to really find work that when I if I if that's what I'm doing eight hours, ten hours a day that I enjoy it it may not be always Mm -hmm. easy easy is not the same thing but it's not but that i feel connected with that i feel like is the right work that's truly bringing out all my skill sets and i can serve effectively through yeah and it's i know something we talked about with you before is like you know moving from a good life to a great life Mm -hmm. um you know one being okay with that because i think some people can get a little uncomfortable well my life's good enough you know why do i think i need more because you're allowed to manifest whatever it is you want in this reality. And if you want to live an amazing great, life, yeah. The only thing that's stopping you is you. A hundred percent. And once you, and you had resolve, right. And you had determination to say, Hey, my life's good, but it's, it's not really what I want. And I want it to be great. And I want, and it's, it's, I've seen for you, it's taken a vision, you know, of kind of where you are and where you want to be. And then, yeah, the determination to, to see it through. I think there's, there's a couple key ingredients, you know, it's, knowing what you want is, is key. Right. And the other ones are like showing up and continuing to put in the work. Those, what I've noticed in coaching and training, even at my company, my fitness company tribe, the people that do those three things are the ones that get the results. And it's like, it's not a coincidence. Mm-hmm. And the people that have one foot in or one foot out or excuses or show up one day or don't show up the next day. It's like, 
They just don't get the same results. And the same is true on a spiritual path. The same is true in a professional path. Um, I think it's interesting. We don't always apply these same rules. Like at work in our professional careers, we, we know can you show up and do a good job. And if you don't do those things, you're not going to move forward. Yeah. Um, and it's no different with ourselves and showing up. I'm sometimes showing up with ourselves can be the hardest thing. I know that to be true. You know, that right. to be true. It's and prioritizing ourselves and our growth and what is important to us, regardless of what people think. Oh, well, your life's pretty good, man. Like, should you, do you really need to go for great? Do you really need to keep pushing it? Yeah, yeah I do. Especially, <laughs> you know, some of those things you're mentioning, especially when you're trying to go from good to great. Yeah. Because many yeah. people can get to good while continuing to sacrifice themselves. Yeah, totally. And recognize that that's actually what's creating the the ditch in where their their life is sometimes good, sometimes not so good, and they're they're just so uh, succumb succumbing to you know circumstances around them. Going to great requires that level of inner value to rise and mm-hmm. say, no, these some things are acceptable, some things are not acceptable, and here's. Here's the definition of a great life for me. Mm-hmm. And then choosing to honor that and like, you know, trying to be more and more true to that every day. And and a key piece you just said for everyone listening is Nathan said, what's a great life for me? And again, those are that's different for each and every one of us. And there's there's a great framework. It's the icky guy. Have, have you worked with this at all? I haven't actually. So the icky guy is a combination of I have it on my wall. It is the it's the sweet spot of four things of what you're passionate about, what you can make a living doing, right? What you have a, a mission for, and then what, what do you feel like your, your, your kind of purpose is in the world? And if you can find those four things together, that's where a, a resplendent life lives. That's where an incredible life lives. And you can have all of those. And something that I've coached people on before is actually to start there when they're lifescaping is a word, you know, we could use kind of like landscaping for your life is don't start with the external of like, well, what job should I do? It's like, no, no, no. Like, what do you love to do? Mm-hmm. Like, what are you passionate about? Okay. What are you good at? Okay. How, what can you make money at? And also then what has a purpose and what serves? And if you can, and if you put all those together, you may find that the actual, the Arta, in Sanskrit or the tool for doing that is very different than what you looked like, what you thought it was. Like I didn't ever plan on being a coach, but at one point I did that technique and I go, wait a second. I like people. I'm good at helping people learn and grow. I can make a living at this. Like, okay, wow. And everyone I work with, it seems like their life grows in a positive direction. And then the people that they're around, their life start to grow in a positive direction. It's like, oh, well, now we're on to something. And, and then there's this career coaching. It's like, oh, wow, that could work, right? And, and to your, back to your point of, if you're going to be spending eight hours, 10 hours a day, you know, a third of your life minimum doing something, why not do something you love? Why not do something that you're excited about? Why not do something that gets you out of bed in the morning? Because if you're not doing that third, a third of your life, are you setting yourself up to have a great life? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe you could, but are you giving yourself the best shot to live a fantastic life? If a third of it, you're going, oh, shit, here we go. I got to get up to work, go again. I don't want to do this, but yeah, it pays the bills. I've done it. You've done it. Yeah. So, Nick, I have a question for you. It's going to be a slightly a tangent from our current conversation. But we were talking about our yoga practices and how it's developing. 
And I know you've, in your current practice, you've been experimenting a little bit. Mm -hmm. uh, you've been trying out and um, different ways to go deeper. Uh, I'm curious, you know, if you're, uh, I know you'd be up for this because we talked about this. <laughs> but this is doing good modeling of asking you know consciously if someone's willing to go deeper <laughs> are you uh are you for sharing some of those experiences and sort of like you know what you've been trying how that came up for you what maybe just anything you think you know sharing in terms of experiences and yeah what what you learned from them Sure. I mean, it, this is a great, great thing to dive into. And, and so Nathan is referring to psychedelics, if you're not sure what he's talking about. Uh, I've become somewhat of a psychonaut, you know, kind of an astronaut, but in the psychedelic world. And, and what, made me, what made me think about this is I have a close friend, and I was telling Nathan this, and, that he was talking to my brother, and he was going, you know, Nick's kind of the straight edge in the group, and he's really, you know, he's always kind of the voice of reason, and he doesn't do any drugs. And my brother looks at him, and he's like, what are you talking about, man? Nick, Nick's into like anything that he can get his hands on. And it made me think maybe I'm projecting a reality or a picture of myself that are those things clean cut, put together, always centered, you know, and kind of a straight edge. So I, I want to kind of own that first of all in myself, but to really talk about how from the tantric view, which is, you know, the lineage that you and I study in yoga is that in Tantra, Anything can be a spiritual practice. Yeah. Us right now talking is a yoga practice. How present can we be? The people listening, how present can they be? Right? Are we paying attention to our breath, to our bodies, to our minds? So any, for me at this point in my spiritual practice, anything I can get my hands on becomes, can become an opportunity for me to understand myself deeper. Right? Yeah. And now that doesn't have to be psychedelics. That can be a conversation. That could be doing a physical yoga practice. That could be playing with food. What happens when I drink coffee? What happens when I don't? Right. So, really understanding the alchemy of ourselves. But something that I've been experimenting with for about the past five years and really the last two more intensely is, is how can psychedelics, how can they be a tool to help me understand myself better? Um, and how can I take those insights that I learned from those experiences and bring those back into my life and integrate them and embody them? That, that's a very different experience, right? So it's, I want to be clear, I'm not talking about getting high for the sake of getting high. This is intentionally using plant medicine to transform my state of mind so I can understand deeper aspects of myself. Um, the first experience I had with this, which in terms of when I had my first meaningful experience with psychedelics was on psilocybin about five years ago. And I was with my friends in the woods and I didn't really know much about psilocybin at that point. That's magic mushrooms for anyone who doesn't know. And we took more than I had ever taken at that point. And, and I remember at, at some point, this is right when I was really kind of coming into my own in terms of a spiritual practice about five, six years ago. And I remember sitting at a campsite and I saw trash trash everywhere in this campsite. And I saw uh, there was a lantern on the table. And as I'm in this, in this altered state, I'm looking down at this, the lantern and I see trash everywhere. And I had this realization of that's my mission in life. That is my, my purpose is right in front of me. It is to shine my own light so bright that the people and places and things around me 
also start to witness and see that they are a bright light and they are perfect. Not that they're trash, mm-hmm. but that they're perfect as well. And that was one of my first insights in that psilocybin gave me into myself. And that's, that is, that part shaped me in understanding what my purpose is on this planet is to, to shine and reflect on the perfection of all people, places, and things. And then as the years have gone along, I've gotten more interested in that. You know, you and I led a, um, a, a mushroom ceremony at a men's retreat that we did a couple mm-hmm. years ago, which is really the catalyst for this podcast is you and I having deep yeah. conversations around consciousness and saying, wow, maybe we could take this into the world and start to share these insights. Um, and then a couple of years ago, I started experimenting with using psilocybin and MDMA together. And the insights there have been, I mean, in terms of my emotional hangups, in terms of family pain, trauma, um, pieces of myself, my ego that I was unable to see, the insights that I've learned from, from those experiences have made me a more loving person. They made me more aware. They made me more accepting of myself, of others. Um, they've especially made me a better husband. I know that. And, and these That's are where horrible. I'm, I mean, I mean, tremendously, they made me more loving. They made me more accepting. Um, so to take these insights on these journeys and be able to, to consciously do these practices. And I, and I think, by the way, I want to be clear that it's, you know, 10 years, 15 years of a yoga practice and then eventually a meditation practice have primed me, prepared me to be able to maintain consciousness in these altered states. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's a very different pers- perspective. Um, and so while in these altered states to pay attention, it's like, oh, there's this thing that I do. Like I noticed, for example, a, a couple months ago, I was with a friend and we were, we were on a, a pretty deep trip. And I noticed when he got into a bad mood, all I wanted to do was fix him. Mm-hmm. And I was obsessed with making sure that he was okay, that he was feeling good, and that he was going to be all right. And I, and I just kept going, are you okay? What can I do to help? And then I realized at some point, I said, no, wait, that's my trip. That's not me living in my dharma. I'm not seeing him as perfect because he's in a lowered state. And I, can't, I remember coming out of the bathroom and it hit me and I was like, just leave him alone. If he wants to be in a bad mood, that's fine. And I said it and my friend goes, man, thank God, because I was going to start yelling at you <laughs> to leave me alone and let me be in my own state. And then I, and then I go, wow, I'm doing this in my life everywhere. Hmm. I want everyone around me to feel good. And that's really driving the bus of me. So that's, that's an example of how I've used plant medicine and psychedelics as a way to pick up something that was hiding oh. from my ego. Yeah. And then I go, wow, that's actually why I became a coach is I want to help people feel better. So then now I'm having the ability to embody this and maybe shift my practice and approach of I'm not here to help people. I'm not here to fix people. I'm here to serve people and show them, help them see that they're perfect. And that, so that is a massive shift. Um, Most recently, about a month ago, I did Bufo, which is a uh, 5-MeO DMT with, and I spent the afternoon with a medicine woman. And I'm not going to share, share too much about that experience. Uh, because that one is is very sacred to me right now, and I haven't quite fully um, let it all settle in. But I would tell you right now, I, I, my life will never be the same after that experience. I had a, I had an experience of being universal oneness and seeing that this world we live in is perfect. I'm perfect. You're perfect. Everyone listening is. 
and the conviction and to use your word determination that that has given me into to bringing my purpose out into the world um i don't know if i could have found that without um this tool and then lastly you know to add in here is at some point these tools need to be dissolved too because there is a big push right now in mainstream society for psychedelics to be used but they're a tool and and as they say in a lot of practices at some point the tool needs to be dissolved at some point the teacher needs to be dissolved and we need to look inside and remember that we are our own masters we are the tool we are the technology and to not to be dependent on these tools and at some point to let them go and not continue to chase because that stuff's out there right now and i don't think there's a big big enough narrative on using these these things as spiritual tools to help understand ourselves and then at some point to let them go and remember that everything we need to fully understand ourselves is already within um and yeah. not without yeah 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 and it's been fun and it's been fun and and they've they've served their purpose and tools and actually in these moments now i'm going oh maybe it's time to move on yeah i've definitely noticed you using the word perfect very intentionally mm -hmm. you know throughout our conversation today much much more strongly than I've seen you use it in the past. So, you know, that seems like it, it's also coming a, a stronger resolve. Yep. It's because that. there's less judgment inside me about it now. And as a result, as I've started to embody that internally, I've been saying it for a long time, but I don't think I fully embodied it or, and had it through an experience. And now when I'm saying it, I'm not judging myself. And I believe it. And so if you're, if you're hearing that, that's what it is. So thanks for that, that reflection. Yeah. Very cool. Well, as it is, this podcast is also perfect. And this is also probably the perfect place for us to pause. Yeah. Um, and thank you for sharing those, you know, your recent journey and the experiences and, you know, and really help folks understand like the value, not just from like, uh, hey, we go out and do these things just for the heck of it for fun. But mm -hmm. really, there's a spiritual value. There's a value to helping you uncover yourself and understand yourself more deeply. Of course, informed by the proper prep. So like you mentioned, you already had mm -hmm. a decade plus of spiritual training under your belt to be able to say, okay, I'm actually going to try and maintain consciousness when I go into this experience to, to really feel what it is all about and what am mm -hmm. I learning about myself. So that, that's really key. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, kind of a last sign off here for everyone to, as you've been listening to us is a big piece is, is to remember that anything in your life can be a spiritual practice. And it's up to you to determine how deep you want to take that, um, what your willingness is to push your own boundaries and your own edge and explore, and, and really to be willing to, to create a life that is great for you and create a life that is meaningful for you and perfect for you. Um, and that's up to each and every one of us. And, you know, Nathan and I are a resource. If anyone needs more insights on that or want to talk that out, please, please reach out to us. This is a large part of why we're doing this show and, and why we're here. Um, and you can create the life you want. You can, it's possible and there's ways to do it. So I want to uh, sign off and remind, let everyone remember that. Yeah. Perfect place for us to end the show today. Thank you, Nick. You got it, man. Thank you. Well, fun as always. If you're listening, be sure to subscribe, share, and uh, comment below on any, any of the social platforms you see this. Let us know. We're here to serve and uh, wishing you all much love. 
All right, Nick and Nathan, out. Thanks for listening in. If you want any more information about our guest today, uh, about any of the sessions or, or offerings that were presented, uh, as well as about myself, Nitin, or Nick here, you can find all the links to our websites and uh, how to get in touch with us through the episode notes. And as always, don't forget, if you like what you heard, share it with friends and family, spread the love, spread the collective consciousness, and help us raise the consciousness as a whole.